Little Steppenwolf. It's going to be a good one. Welcome. Welcome to this March night. One of the last ones we've got this year. It's the 29th of March, year 2023. It's a Wednesday. It's a hump day. I'm wishing you all luck. So tonight... Tonight we've got some good stuff to get to do. Well, it's all yeah. We're we're just we've got uh, several shows this week. Cup no two, where we just took big batches of news that I've been piling up, piling up, and thoughts and thoughts and thoughts, and bringing on somebody that we can talk to about it. I had all the environmental stuff. We did a tranche of uh, subjects and all that stuff with Jim Lee on Monday night. Tonight we've got Rich Barris coming by for his monthly checkup. The Roundup with Barris, and I have all of his information in the description of this video. That's the People's Pundit right there. Got his locals in the in the description, and then we also have um, some new polls that they've been putting out. Big data poll. We've got the director on with us tonight, but uh, we got we're gonna be we're gonna be covering the gamut, societal issues, um, war, everything else. It's going to be good. And and then, of course, at the end, we might... I, when he comes on with me around 725, we might go the entire length together. You just don't know. But they're setting us up for so many things. And on Monday night, we're going to be doing a, a, another deep dive into cults. And it's going to be based on one, one article I've been uh, sitting on for a while. And it's become so much more relevant. And the authors of the article that, that wrote it months ago, they reshared it today. And I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. It's time to get into it. So we'll be doing cult behavior on Monday night because that's what we're experiencing right now. And uh, whereas I said that we're our fate that they are trying to push us toward, obviously, there's always ways for uh, fate for their plans to be interrupted uh, they want us to go toward a South Africa Rwanda model MK Ultra we can talk about shootings all the time we could talk about Orion um, the, the things that that uh, that Bill Cooper would write about in behold a pale horse but there's so much more there too um, I had a lot of people get in touch with me about this shooting again you know would you have you seen any weird things about the whole... I mean, yeah, well, yeah, there's a lot weird going on. We have been turned into a, compl- a powder keg. We have been made severely mentally ill and handicapped in the same way where we cannot even address the situation, let alone do anything that is uh, that would be considered a reasonable response to it all. So we've been put in a situation where we have been... where We are bred at this point to manufacture tragedy. So those who want to continue us down one path or another, all they have to do is just wait there. They have to wait, and then they have to report on it in their own very psychologically damaging and furthering a, uh, a way. You know, they want to uh, they want to continue to 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 push us and to use whatever they're opportunists, they're murderers. So. Um, it's a lot different. It's a lot more different than what we we would talk about in the past with Manchurian candidates and and traditional MK Ultra. But it has definitely been turned into a little bit more of a generalized programming where you just don't know. It's be, it makes it into a minefield, and um, and that's what we'll be doing a lot more on Monday. 
So uh, instead of getting really caught up on one thing or another, because as soon as we, as soon as everybody on the outside digests what's, what's happened in places like Nashville, there'll be something else. And then, of course, the reporting won't be there for this type of stuff for a while. They'll move on to, to, to I don't know, something other than that. We'll be back on the environment and there'll be a big storm or who knows. But there's a lot going on tonight and I'm, uh, I'm really looking forward to doing it all, especially with Rich in, in the, uh, on the show. He'll be in the Zoom over here before you know it. So just chill out and enjoy yourself with me. I want to thank all my sponsors on the affiliates page on quitefrankly.tv. Chief among them, bluemonsterprep.com. You need them more than you know. If you've been doing some prepping over the years, do a little bit more. Take it bite by bite. And that's the whole point. Food, water, communications, first aid. Get on over to bluemonsterprep.com and use promo code frankly for all of your delivery to be taken off the top. And I would also say at this point, call up our friends at wise wolf gold and silver that is all on the affiliates page too i believe it's quite frankly dot gold so uh, they've got everything you need to get started and people are panic buying gold and silver right now too so there's wait times though that's why you say buy when the demand is low and everybody is kind of just lulling themselves into a sleep again because uh when when the evidence emerges from time to time, and it's happening more often these days, the evidence emerges to remind us all how fragile this existence we have over here really is, then um, that's when people take it a little bit more seriously, and then the squeeze is on for real. Uh, here's from the, the headlines in the grab bag. Pope Francis has been taken to a hospital with a respiratory infection. He had been complaining of breathing difficulties. So we see what happens there. He's old, he's weak, and now we start with this. You just don't know. Nick Sorter on Twitter broke some news a little while ago. The Manhattan Grand Jury examining Trump's case with Stormy Daniels will now take a month-long break. Is that going to be long enough for everybody to forget about the, uh, the rumor mill craziness from the last week and a half? Now it's a month-long break, according to Politico. And uh, within that time, there will be no indictment, no vote. And that's that's where we are with that one. Over on France24.com, this leads into the next thing that I want to talk about briefly. Critics claim Paris is going to be using the 2024 games to introduce Big Brother video surveillance. Now... Uh, we'll, we'll read a little bit into this. France's National Assembly is due to adopt a law on Tuesday ahead of the 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. Article 7 is the most controversial aspect of this law as it will allow AI video surveillance to be used to detect abnormal behavior. Human rights organizations and the French, uh, the French left have condemned the measure. The French left... The all-encompassing law that France's National Assembly is due to adopt on March 28th, ahead of the 2024 Paris Olympic Games, will allow shops to open on Sundays, establish a health center in the department of uh, Saint-Denis, 
and uh, permit the French state to investigate further accredited persons. However, Article 7 of this law is particularly controversial as it states that AI video surveillance may be used on a trial basis to ensure the safety of the Olympic Games. Human rights groups say the use of this technology will set a dangerous precedent. Um, See, limited hangout, again, only dangling certain aspects of the situation to people to trick them into thinking that um, there's actually something to prevent here. Now, I don't know how involved artificial intelligence has been in the last 15 to 20 years of this kind of surveillance, but over here in the, in the United States, we know from things like uh, Trapwire and other programs, uh, they have had so much video monitoring technology already out to the point where they can even recognize you walking around if you are in full disguise because they have as we've mentioned on the show before, gate recognition programs. They could recognize the way that you walk, the way that your hips roll. You know, it's just, if if you're on the map, they can marshal every resource out there. And there is a camera on, I don't know, every 15 feet. It's ridiculous. So who knows how they deal with this in the coming months and weeks, years? But that is almost reported in a way where it, uh, it seems like there's something to prevent still. That it's not already happening. And that's what brings us to this next thing. And I'm sure that you've all seen it get passed around a little bit in the last 48 hours. And that is a lot of attention on this Restrict Act that, that um, Mark Warner has proposed in the Senate. Now, if you wanted to get a really nice encapsulation of this you can find it over at Uncovered DC done by our very own Wendy Mahoney. That was on March 28th, right there on UncoveredDC.com. Wendy's a fantastic writer for for Tracy over there at Uncovered DC. Um, but for the just for our purposes right now, I have a couple of quick hits that we're going to do. Uh, here's what it is from a Dr. Lynn Finn. There's a couple of quick tweets. Everyone needs to hear about the Restrict Act. Say, say, the bill is also currently known as the TikTok ban. You see, this is about TikTok. What are we going to do, TikTok? I said, I don't, I, I, your TikTok is, is collecting our data for the Chinese. The Chinese are collecting data through God knows how much consumer grade technology that we're using every day. That's nothing compared to what our, our government was doing. It's the reason why I, I kind of laugh as the balloons went over ahead. Said, you're worried that the Chinese are spying on us with the balloon? Do you understand what's going on? You understand we're not even a country anymore. We're like we're we're property. We're rented property, leased, rented, scrapped. But it looks as though we are all been deceived again. The TikTok ban is nothing but a distraction while they try to push the Restrict Act into law. Uh, we shouldn't be banning TikTok. We shouldn't be banning it. If this bill gets passed, we lose almost all privacy that we have. The attached screenshots, they highlight, listen, any software, hardware, or any other pro, uh, product or service integral to telecommunications products and services with over 1 million users would now be at the government's disposal to review, prosecute, and take possession of. They can review and uh, any and all of your personal information without ever notifying you that they're doing so. They can ban any game, application, or thing that they deem fit, or or if it poses a risk. The Restrict Act, 
would also allow the government to access all of the data in your video devices if it is a service that uses over one that uses over uh, that is being used by over one million people. This includes services like Ring Doorbell, in-home security cameras, and so much more. A VPN. You say, well, you just pop a VPN on, get around it. Well, <clears throat> if you use a VPN to get around this, if caught using a VPN, just like if you're caught using any of those uh, those traffic laser detectors back in the day. If you're caught using a privacy device such as a VPN, you can face up to 20 years in prison and or up to a $1 million fine or a $1 million in collective fines. So this is what's been popped around a little bit, and it's a few things. These are the monsters at the end of the movie who never die. They're always going to come back, whether it's SOPA. You remember that from like 2010, 2011, or whatever the hell else they're spying on us. TikTok is no greater threat than than Mark Warner, Senator Mark Warner, and his bosses are to us already. Who, by the way, this is this why this this stuff is just so ironic. Mark Warner was a member at the time, at least, of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And uh, it was during the time of the whole Russia false flag with the DNC and Assange and all that stuff in 2016, 2017, the cover-up for the the spying crimes and whatever the hell it was. Well, Mark Warner and James Comey were so concerned with national security that they declined Julian Assange's offer to come to the United States with immunity to disclose everything he knew about the DNC leak, where his, his stuff came from, and all that all that uh, that jazz. And in return for not only the immunity, Assange would also heavily redact the Vault 7 leaks, the files that were going to be going out soon. He would heavily redact them and save the United States government a lot of embarrassment there because on those files were um, were a lot of information on the CIA's digital spy tools that they were using, including including the fact that the CIA has long since possessed tools to put digital fingerprints on anything that they want to frame anybody around the world for whatever kind of digital crimes they want them to take responsibility for. Okay, uh, so that that's he that's what he was going to do. He was going to heavily redact secrets that you think that they would want redacted and not released and all he wanted was some immunity and mark warner and james comey they said no go ahead publish vault seven we already know the truth about the dnc we just want this to play out in the media for three years we want the russia thing to play out in the media for three years so you go over there and languish in a uh, in a in a in a de facto prison over there in the uk and we're going to keep fiddling diddling ourselves on live television and in uh, committees and and to hell with our secrets and our national security. That's what they really care about it. The fact that they are concerned about what people are doing on TikTok is absolutely hilarious. You think that our southern border wasn't wide open and that 50 million people, 50 million foreign nationals at least aren't already unaccounted for inside the nation's interior. They care about TikTok. So this is about conditioning if it goes away, it'll come back as something different. It'll be called something different for some other pressing reason. And if it gets defeated then, then they'll break the bill up and they'll shove it into the NDAA in consecutive years and little pieces until finally they can reconstitute their uh, the mechanisms that they've been looking for. And that's what it's really all about. That and this, 
I saw this headline. Biden is stuck between China hawks and young voters as TikTok pressure mounts. That's it. What it really is that Biden is stuck between appeasing his bosses in going out and seizing the internet, censoring the internet, and creating all these new tools that are entirely illegal. Entirely illegal. And, uh, and, and, and knowing that the bleach-drinking future of the Democrat Party largely exists on TikTok. You know? I mean, how else are they going to reach out to new young voters who survive all of the detergent uh, challenges, mind you? Who on TikTok is going to vote for Democrats if Democrats take away TikTok? So I know it's a very, very hard decision. Very hard decision. Create the, 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 uh, the kill switch for the internet that everybody's wanted for so long. Or disrupt disrupt your voter base of the future okay all right all right all right let's see here we got a few other things going on now let's just start uh, actually from there what we're going to do is we're going to go out and start the show off when we come back i have one or two more things that i want to read and then we're going to bring uh, rich barris on so don't go anywhere ladies and gentlemen let's start this one off in grand fashion be right back one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! This is the big news for me. You know, I'm trying to just keep a an eye on culture and how it's degrading and what that means for everything else. Because, I mean, that's where this all originates. That's where the seeds are planted. And this is the rotten fruit that we are harvesting at this point. So the first thing I want to bring up is from Zero Hedge. We've got a press secretary to the criminal fraud governor in Arizona, Katie Hobbs. Her name is Jocelyn Berry. Check out this headline. AZ's governor's press secretary resigns amid outrage after calling for violence against so-called transphobes. Jocelyn Berry, Governor Hobbs's press secretary has resigned after responding to the Nashville school shooting with a tweet that appeared to advocate violence against transphobes, which is very common. 
ladies and gentlemen. I I mean, I don't know I don't know where you spend any time on the internet or how often you monitor where these these conversations are are had, who's having them and the shit that's going on. And I understand it's always anecdotal. I know it's only it's always anecdotal, but you, you have to you have to balance that off with everything else, the things you see in person, how often you see it, what, what where where is their balance, where can it be struck? I mean, it's constantly, regularly, I see promotions of violence against so-called Nazis or TERFs, fascists, which nobody knows what that is, but they just say it, and you have to understand, okay, I know, I know what they're trying to say. You know, they mean it. They mean it when they talk about violence. They want violence. They talk about punching, shooting, stabbing, beating people, baseball bats. They, I mean, this is just what they talk about constantly. And uh, here's Jocelyn Berry. Us, when we see transphobes, and she puts a picture of a woman, I don't know what actress that is from what show or movie, with two revolvers. That's it. That's it. Revolver in each hand. Getting ready to blast away transphobes, I guess. As Paul Joseph Watson of Summit News detailed earlier, there was widespread outrage after Governor Katie Hobbs, press secretary, responded to the school shooting in Nashville by posting a tweet that appeared to advocate violence against transfer. That That's the press secretary. That's, that is what's going on here. You know, I, I, I say this a lot when it comes to the religious sectarianism, the breakdown of all this stuff as we see it. We have this incredible, incredible situation where, um, you know, I'm pretty certain that we're seeing the beginning of a John Brown-like martyrdom that's going on here. We've already had a couple of these, these nuts pop off recently, but you just think about it. The children are first being confused by authoritative voices in education and government and medicine and media. That is where the confusion first comes from. It's also delegated to crazy parents, people who I am sure are just like Katie Hobbs' press secretary over here. And then after the confusion starts, the seeds have been planted and, uh, you know, children are kept in this infantile state. The real problem is that when you're kept infantile and you're not really being brought up in any good way, and then you start growing into a body that is, you know, the most complex pharmacy in the world and you start dealing with hormones and growth and development that is already hard enough as it is you're creating psychopaths you're creating people who go through puberty untethered to reality with nobody to really guide them and teach them how to become adults that's that is that's very hard as it is but to have been compromised mentally emotionally from from the time that you were in diapers is something else all entirely and it's going to be a basis for a lot of things that we talk about on monday night so after the initial scourge there then you have these same people who set them off down this path encouraging encouraging them to go and explore life-altering paths to identity alteration and then when nobody shows any legitimate concern for how this is not healthy or, or I should say, when anybody does show concern about how this is not healthy, it's labeled as genocide. That's the whole issue here. 
So they spend time destroying the minds of as many generations as they can or as many minds in certain generations as they can. And then when it gets to a point that people realize, okay, this is, a, this is not about live or let live. This is not about being uh, sensitive to people who are different than us. This is about a growing army of deranged people who have had never had a chance to make it out of childhood without lasting issues that are now being told by the people who created them, there is a genocide that is being planned for you. This is what they're doing. Okay? If you don't see how that will be our little version of Rwanda, eventually, then I don't know what else to say. You know, um, so it's just, uh, it, it, this is what we, you see in these sectarian kind of environments here. When you have, you have the clerics, up on top, you have the doctors, the psychiatrists, you have Drew Barrymore, you have Joy Reid. They, they're the ones who are there to present a reasonable public persona for the massacre, knowing full well that, the, that political violence is a necessary piece of the plan or an eventual piece of the plan because anybody with a, you know, the, the same, same people are not going to be able to go along with this, not for long, especially when you see what kind of destructive toll it takes on children. All right, and then you, and then and then you have everybody else. That's the cleric, the cleric level over there. Very religious stuff. So I don't know what uh, Katie Hobbs has done to try to um, to try to keep themselves keep ourselves distant from this. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, you remember the clown this clown show down in Florida? I'm sure that Rich Barris has seen it. That clown show down in Florida where all the trans kids were protesting surgery restrictions for minors that was put down by the state legislature, I, they, they, right there I said, we're, it's done right there. Okay, The doctors and the experts who sit down with people like Matt Walsh on what is a woman, you see what's going on even with them. They're supposed to be the calmest. They're supposed to be the cool uh, the, 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 the smooth operators of the entire operation there. And when you press them, press them on things, uh, you're questioning their world, their worldview, questioning their work on gender, whether it be uh, on a philosophical end or whether it be on a pharmaceutical end. When you question these doctors and these experts, these academics about the identity of women and, or anybody else, you see that the, the veneer between pretentious bullshit artist and murderous rage is very thin. The veneer is very thin. They can't even keep it together. And those are supposed to be the clerics of this new religion. So I'm, I don't know how they think that they're ever going to be able to control the fallout from the, from the armies that they're setting loose and elevating in society. They're elevating this. And I want to read one last thing before we bring on, before we, uh, before we bring on, let's see here, um, Rich Barris is as a very short thread by Drew Tang, Drew Tang Reborn. I've read his stuff before. I want to have him on the show. Really, really good threads. I think very insightful. And here's another one. Now, Drew was talking about transhumanism. And it came on the heels of this March 28th libs of TikTok post of a, I guess, a trans, I don't know, some, somebody dressing up 
with a a, a a scepter or something talking about how they need to they need to fight. Listen to this a little bit. Trans people in Tennessee, it's time to fucking fight. Trans allies in Tennessee, it's time to fucking fight. Trans women, if they lock you up for identifying as a woman, fight, resist. You're gonna die anyways. We're going to die anyways. You know, you know exactly, exactly. This is Jonestown. If you go, if you have ever listened to the, that that morbid, fucked up audio recordings of Jim Jones urging people to drink the Kool Aid, to serve it to their children, get it over with, get it over with. You know, the, the enemies on the other side, they're pretty much saying, get it over with, get it, let's do it. Come up, let's go, let's go. This is a death cult. And we're going to talk about that in great detail on, on Monday for sure, but a little bit more. And I don't know the, the presentation of this this person sitting there with a scepter, a wand or something, uh, like Gandalf, but, but a very nightmarish Gandalf. It's time to fucking resist. Fight them, hurt them. If they put their hands on you, beat them. Yeah, they keep, this is, like I said, very, very common stuff. Uh, Drew says this. Transhumanism, the process of completely removing humanity from its divinity and replacing it with artificial reality is deeply tied to transsexuality. You can see it in their use of filters and masks in real life. They want to hide from reality and maintain their demonic fantasy at all costs. Uh, who will be the first to sign up for life in virtual reality? Probably the people who exclusively use fictional anime profile pictures of their pretend genders. They are completely severed from reality. They'll abandon their blood families for the rainbow cult in a second. They are ready-made MKUltra patsies. No need for the CIA to individually traumatize and drug individuals into fanatic suicidal warriors. That's exactly what I've... Exactly. Exactly. You create nightmare scenarios. All you have to do if you are the media is just wait. That's all you have to do is wait. Wait, pounce, and then uh, report it on it apologetically as we have already seen. I'm going to finish this up, and then we're going to call Rich. Uh, TikTok and Big Pharma does it for them. What we saw yesterday was the first of many jihad attacks on the world's new dominant religion. It, uh, the, the reason that Troon was able to slaughter three nine-year-olds was due to her psychological, that is atheism, and physical, that's antidepressants and hormones, detachment from reality and empathy. She subscribed to complete narcissism. Her wish to die was all that mattered. Nothing else was real. That's the, that's the level of darkness. That's the level of darkness. So uh, now we're going to bring on a friend of ours, and I want to jump into this and so many other things that's going on around the world at this time. And here we, we're, we're, here we go. There we go. We got Rich Barris, People's Pundit, Big Data Poll. How are you, my friend? Dun, 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 dun. Living the dream, my friend. How you doing? Oh, I'm doing. I'm doing well. D despite it all, our little, uh, our little, our little uh, area, I think, is is uh, pretty clean and dandy. So I hope you and the the, the, the children, everybody's well. You, 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 and yours too. Everybody's doing just great over here, Frank. Can't complain. Good. Good. I, you know, I, you know, I want. While I'm talking about this, I want to ask you concerning. All of the issues around the Nashville story, they turn mental illness 
especially when it comes to gender or identity issues, they turned mental illness into a cause instead of a serious condition that needs to be treated. So um, it, it makes it makes sense that instead of admitting that it's lethal and it's all rooted in lethal forms of nihilism and narcissism, we are getting steady doses of headlines like this, Rich. This is the New York Post. Shooter's parents couldn't accept their daughter's trans identity. I mean, this is the kind of apologetics that we are getting every day, and it's uh, it, 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 it's scary at this point now. The Murdoch-owned New York Post right there, and look, they've done good work on me. I, you know, so I, I don't really have a beef with them personally, but it's like, come on, stop following the crowd. When is someone going to have the courage, Frank? If COVID didn't reveal that we suffer from mass mental illness in this country, if it, you know, these mass shootings didn't reveal that we suffer from mass mental illness, then I wonder what does, because the media is culpable in these uh, events. It is long been known now, Frank, decades and decades of empirical data, research from you know left to right that shows that the media is a contagion in these. I think I've talked about this on your show before, mm. that the studies are overwhelming. They don't care. They put ideology for decades. This is just the transgenderism stuff is just the latest cover up, the latest, you know, attempt to cover up some form of mental illness. It goes even beyond that and deeper than that. They have the media does a typical thing. They bury the root cause of this issue, which is mental illness, and they cover these events in such an irresponsible and reckless way. It drives the feds nuts. It drives law enforcement nuts. It drives academia nuts. You know, years ago, even people at Mother Jones, I tweeted this yesterday, um, used to do fantastic work about this. We used to call it the Columbine effect in social science. You cannot do what the media does because all you're really doing is inspiring the next nut job to try to one up like that activist who went in front of the microphone and then the media gave them all this you know time and, and gave them um, their 15 minutes. Now the next nut case at home is like, you know, I don't know who I am either. I think I can kill more people than them. And this is how their minds think. And everyone knows this and they want the notoriety from it. They want to be, they feel so small and empty inside. They don't know who they are. They don't know what they are. They're looking for something to accomplish. They're looking for some kind of notoriety. They want people to know they're suffering. So they will go out and commit these horrible acts of heinous acts. This one, however, is even more sinister when it comes to politics, because let's not forget what time this was frank and i don't want to get you in trouble i know you had an issue um so for on i'm not, I'm not on youtube you i'm not on youtube i'm not allowed okay. on youtube until so uh, thursday know what day this was right strike out against those who don't support trans trans well, i don't even know what the term is for trans dysphoria uh you know delusion Go, strike out against these people and then this happens sean davis the editor from the federalist puts this up on twitter like listen this is obvious there's a connection here he's suspended um, basically they they were going to try to ban him and if it wasn't for the blowback they probably would have um you know but this is this is just now the latest mental illness that this media this corrupt media latches onto they use these people because they have an agenda they hate the second amendment and they want it gone and so when we're depersoned as much as we are we're dehumanized 
as much as we are, Frank, it's easy for these people to just go out and commit these acts. It's easy to commit an act, a heinous act against your fellow human beings, fellow mankind, because you don't see them anymore as a human. You see them as the other. Yep. And you, you know, you, you can you you can bring yourself to do this kind of stuff. When you're mentally ill, it makes it even that much easier. And sadly, I mean, the bottom line is that the Second Amendment was ratified in December of 1791, Frank. We've had this culture. And by the way, we were a a gun-carrying colony culture for years before that. The, the, The phenomena of mass shootings is a modern phenomena, which started in the 60s with the event, and I'll just leave it there, that happened at the University of Texas. I'm not gonna bring it up, but this is a modern thing so if you can't see that this is a modern phenomena called brought on by modern mental disorders that we suffer from because uh you know we we've we're looking for things to replace spiritualism in our hearts that we threw out the window um then if you can't see that and your answer is take away the guns then you're an idiot I really don't. I, I have no desire to even debate you. You're you're so intellectually feeble. I mean, just you can't address the two and a half decades when we didn't do this in this country. Yeah. If you can't address that and have a good explanation for that, then please just you know. It, it's I mean that's Family the real. Bouche. I know the the real the real uh, issue is who's around us and what are we dealing with around us. And um, and and you see that that cynicism. It's not even cynicism. It, it is hatred, and we have so much hatred socially right now. It's it's incredible. I I can't stand. It's really only ever about. Um, that's why I talk about these the actual events very very seldom. I very seldom. I don't talk about the details, the the people um that are involved. Uh, obviously, you think about the, the you, you think about children that are dead. You think about innocent people who just had their lives snuffed out and and that that never gets any more stomach churning. But um the reason why it is uh, it is impossible for me to spend any time on on that stuff is because all you're ever doing is analyzing the political narratives. It, it, it it's it, it's so inhumane so inhumane and um and i i it, it definitely brings up waves of hatred inside of me i hate the people doing it i, I mean know. frank they were celebrating the death of christian children on twitter did you i mean tell me you didn't say of course I, no i of course things. i saw it i saw this one guy said I, disgusting th- i saw one person i forgot and he was a nobody but there's a lot of nobody saying it how they hoped it was Republicans that lost their lives, that they that the the one good thing about gun violence or something is that it occasionally wipes out an entire Republican family somewhere. Um, uh, so it, it's I I mean, we are dealing. There is nothing to put that together. You you did a lot of speaking of covid. You did a lot of polling on that, too. Uh, around the time that we saw that over half or very close to half of the country and a large portion of the Democrat Party was in favor of creating some kind of medical internment camps for people. The fact that they were, right. they were willing and enthusiastic about that, there is no reconciliation. There is never going to be reconciliation. And the only way that you can actually allow this to flush itself out just by the coming and going of generations is to, is to first get rid of everything everything that it was ever able to create a viral 
media sensation again uh the 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 from the intelligence services to the networks th- that infrastructure would have to be gone because if it's not if it's the the media and the education and everything else they're creating they're creating new generations of this kind of psychopathy and uh man i don't know i that's that's hard that's harsh you know, and and you, you get into this, uh, you know, because of what obviously was specific about this perpetrator this time. Um, you know, it's just just massive paper released the other day that basically it doesn't suggest that basically shows that this is a fad, a cultural fad. This isn't biology. This isn't. We are in need of mental help on a mass scale, Frank. And these things are essentially coming at us like fads used to in the 1980s. Like, are you wearing the tongue of your Reeboks out like I am? Do you get your pumps this week? You know, like that's what this is, Um, which is frankly a little bit sad. Yeah. It shows a society that is ill and that is, um, you know, uh, lonely and lost. You know, it's it, it really goes so much deeper than normal political stuff. And as you were bringing up before, um, I had Kurt Schlichter on Inside the Numbers earlier today, and he said, you know, that when you're dealing with these kind of people, this isn't even an ideology anymore because an ideology has to be consistent, right? And there has to follow some kind of a logic, and it has to be consistent because if you have principles in this ideology, then obviously that comes with consistency. This is nothing except for a game and it's not you know it's a dangerous game but one that really prioritizes short-term relative gains in power over the other over anything else over everything else and you know he said that it was it's profound because i think he just put in words what we've been seeing and i think a lot of us could see you know understand what was going on but it's hard to articulate you know i mean it, none of it really makes any sense frank i mean like i just said mother jones of all people did wonderful work on the columbine effect decades ago wonderful work where are they now touting gun control right ignoring mental illness trying to shove it down deep where where we can't talk about it uh so you know there's no consistency there because the ideology isn't really one this, this mindset this world view changes uh you know on a whim whenever it needs to change right to be able because really it's about making people pay it's about hurting people it's yeah. about you know stamping out people who uh you know or they feel they have a grievance that you know th- that uh, there are some people in society that should be getting something or should be recognized specially or whatever it may be and there's always an other that's to blame for that and that's the basis of wokeism really but uh but it's not an ideology it's really he's right man it's the pursuit of power and they're doing that right? you're trying to find this meaning in your life because you have no real meaning you have no cause you have no um sound beliefs in who you are what you believe in why are you here you know i i think therefore i am doesn't even matter anymore you know it just doesn't nobody's even concerned with that stuff anymore frank well yeah there's no deep you know um abraham maslow's um you know, hierarchy of needs. And then eventually at the top of that pyramid, we get to self and or trying to get to enlightenment, self-actualization. There is none of that anymore. We yeah. are at the basic bottom primitive, you know, victimology. I want what's mine. It's like basic. It's the basic platform and the hierarchy of needs. And we're stuck at that bottom of the pyramid. And it's sad. Yeah. It's, um, 
it's a hyper and the hyper fixation on death is really it, it comes through in everything and I think the real dividing line between the, between at least two major categories of people in that live in that world, that mindset, is that if you have family, if you have a job, if you have something to keep you uh, productive and and, and, and and striving towards something, if you are a an opportunist like an AOC or something like that, then you you know you have you have uh, you have something to do. If you're the rest of the people who have had your your minds turned to mush, and you you look into a mirror and you just see fractured reality and you don't know what is up, where you came from, where you're going. You don't even know what the hell to define what's in your pants anymore. And when 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 you're in that when you're in that kind of a tormented state, all you want is really to, you, you you want death. You may not have the courage to actually get there, but eventually one day you just want to be put out of your misery. Everybody else who has a little something more going for them because they have also been detached from anything that is greater than themselves, especially when it comes to uh, a connection to the divine nature of our soul and God and all that, all, all that other stuff that we, we talk about that gives a person purpose. If they, if they don't have that greater purpose, then all they have, again, is this, this need to hyperfixate on the very short amount of time we have on Earth. And that is why everything is about uh, I- I- extending life, doing things, modifying yourself, uh, you know, ex- uh, you're wanting to destroy society by ushering in things like universal health care, which is f- uh, financially unfeasible. That would bring us all down. It's always about avoiding death. And other, and it, because they're so scared of it, and then on the other side, they're they're running toward it. So I, well, it's a Frank. I mean, yeah, I really think you 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 put that really well. <laughs> I, gotta, I I think you're. I really do think you're spot on with what you just said. That they're fixated on this small short amount of time because they're not trying to grapple or don't maybe they don't believe in it but that's probably because they've never tried to grapple with the divine nature of yourself of, they haven't been uh, allowed to personhood because well, yeah. we're talking about conditioning and how are children yeah. being conditioned in schools are are they being what are, what are they being allowed to talk about uh, any anything that is that is traditional that's anything that's traditional is considered retrograde and toxic so I mean, how the hell are they ever going to find that? They might have. What a great point. Yeah. I mean, that's that's. I mean, it really is. And you know, it may it 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 does leave you with a certain sense of pity. Um, you know, for for those of us who who don't think um, that you have to hyper focus because really, what are they doing? They're like in pursuit of some kind of a meaning. Right. I mean, if anybody's ever been around, uh, you know, an Antifa rally or something or a mob, you know, I mean, these are just kids who are looking for some kind of meaning, you know, and it's it, it, you can see it in their faces. It's it's sad, man. Yeah. All right. Well, switching uh, switching subjects just a little bit because we got so much going on over here and, and in some ways or another, it, it always ties back in. I saw this. The UN very quickly. I know you saw it too. UN Security Council. <laughs> UN Security Council did not accept Russia's resolution of a commission to investigate the sabotage of Nord Stream. I wonder why do you think the UN Security Council would say, "No, we don't need a uh, investigation into Nord Stream." So weird, right? 
They don't want to prove that two guys like stole a rich Ukrainian oligarch's yacht and, you know, by themselves dove deep down. Oh, by the way, and they're from a group who supports Ukraine. They're pro-Ukraine group, but they're not affiliated with Zelensky. Don't forget that part. They went, they went, they went, it was a bridge too far. They they were too enthusiastic. (laughs) They are too enthusiastic. This is the biggest hoax since uh, you know, anthrax or WNDs. This one is really bad. This is a very clear cover story. Anyone who has been familiar with Seymour Hersh's work, all right, if you look and compare the New York Times report, the Washington Post report, and the report that was done by Seymour Hersh, what you have are very specific statements from different, you know, from sources, very specific timelines, very specific plans, and, uh, you know, events and scenarios that uh, create a very detailed picture about how this plan came about, when it was executed, why it was chosen at that time to be executed, even the bundling up of it. By the way, the choosing of the uh, of the naval assets to do it, by the way, um, you know, it just all was a very detailed picture with what is not clearly circular reporting, where you get the same bullcrap from multiple sources Per, but the, it's not a different source. They're all this. It's coming all from the same source, and they're telling each other. So it's circular reporting. It makes it look like it's more credible, but it's not. And people who have, you know, the Russia hoax was a big uh, offender of circular reporting. You know, the whole the dossier itself was, by the way. Um, so when you know it, you can spot it. Anyone who's looked back on the career of Seymour Hersh, when you have seen this level of death in his reporting, and it's yes, anonymous source versus anonymous source. Folks, in the WMD, the Abu Ghraib days, it was Seymour Hirsch and sometimes anonymous sources against the New York Times' his own paper, and they had on-the-record sources. And it turned out that they were lying, and Seymour Hirsch was telling the truth, reporting the truth. 30 years of this now, almost, Frank. I'm going with Seymour Hirsch. Oh, yeah. Actually, if you go back to some of the earlier work he did, it's more than 30 years. But in the modern era with the deep state for Seymour Hirsch, he is vast majority of the time been right they have been wrong when it's been something big like this he has been telling the truth they were lying and try to cover covering something up or telling some kind of fabricated cover story if the u.s really believed this story and it was real believe you me they would have pushed the members of the u.n security council to adopt that resolution instead they no doubt did what they did when colin powell was giving his speech on wmds for those of you who don't know the backstory the British and the Americans were using intelligence assets to spy on, to attempt to find allies, member nations that are allies in compromising positions so we can then use that to blackmail them to support us at the UN when it came to the resolution on, in Iraq. All right. So this is ve- this reeks of this, Frank, mm. reeks of it. Um, I think it's very clear that somebody is lying here and it's not seymour hirsch they would have moved forward and the u.s would have gotten uh that you know if they wanted if they believed it you know then they would have gotten it believe us if it was the u.s denying uh that the the russian media story that they blow our pipeline we would be at the u.n pushing for a resolution to investigate it the reason why we killed that resolution is because we know that cover story is a lie and we can't be exposed as not only attacking 
critical infrastructure belonging to Vladimir Putin, which is an act of war and actually could have been defined as an act of terrorism by definition. All right. But also a member and an ally who is a member nation of NATO. Yeah. So this is obviously a war crime. And we just don't want that to be on the record right now, Frank. Right? Yeah. the the, the only the o- the only threat to NATO at this point is the U.S. <laughs> or, or anybody else anybody else that helped them pull this off. It could have been Leslie Nielsen in scuba scuba gear. <laughs> You know. so That's so funny. It could have been brought that up. Leslie. That is exactly what I think of when I, when I hear these stories. I love it. He's in the sewage. They only found residue, Frank, on the little cabin table on the yacht, in the yacht. There was no residue anywhere else on the yacht, Frank. Just like so, what they were like building it together, like they were playing chess or something. It is so fundamentally ridiculous when you know what kind of an operation this would take. And all by the way. Even if they're so certified, people were pointing out, they were so happy to point out how uh, I'm certified to die this deep. Good for you. Not with that much explosives. You wouldn't know where to put them. And all the while evading the Russia's Baltic fleet. I don't think so. Good luck. And it's not even like it was uh, it was it was timed for, you know, they set a five minute timer and ran away. This was done like a month before. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it was done a month before. Who even knows how it was really triggered and, and the technology you would need at that point? You know, and the, uh, speaking of Seymour Hersh, too, and I was doing a little bit on uh, recollecting uh, with things with the DNC leak beforehand as well. That is how I got introduced to Seymour Hersh when he was talking about Seth Rich and the Dropbox with uh, with Julian Assange and all the stuff from the DNC. I didn't know him before that. And so uh, I, I started realizing, you know, I loved his work there and I started looking into him more. But as you said, he's a real OG. And uh, when, I, is, when I found out that he was the one that actually broke the news about Operation Popeye in Vietnam, uh, yeah. th- that was the, the first real instance of wep- of weather being weaponized. I I was like I just could not believe how much of his career just went right over my head. There, and and I had somebody on locals remind me of stuff from Vietnam on through the seventies, the late seventies. I was I, you know shocked about how much we actually forget that he did. And uh, you know amazing smear job that they immediately tried to engage you know engage him with. Um, Unbelievable. Mm. Former reporter for the New York Times, obviously a credible journalist, and uh, he just he has a reputation for not copying and pasting press releases from White Houses and from uh, intelligence agencies. And this time, it's there's a lot riding on it. They just can't they can't let it go. You know, he's not, speaking of the CIA. It's a, I don't know if you want to segue into that, but um, you know, he, he's he's been a thorn in their side for years, man. And you know, it used to be that journalists um you know kind of looked out for each other in a different way uh new york times had to apologize when it turned out that seymour Hearst was right about iraq and they were wrong they had to write a big apology to their readers this is how we got it wrong we engaged in groupthink we didn't vet sources we didn't do you know we violated basic standards of journalism if a source is telling you something do they have a motivation to tell you this and if they do then does that uh, affect their credibility or the credibility of the story? We better back that up, right? From a separate independent source, they violated all of that. Um, this time, they don't care anymore. We're way beyond that now. If that was still the case, we would have gotten another big fat apology over Russia collusion, but we didn't. They gave each other awards. 
and yeah. they further ostracized people like Seymour Hersh. They gave each other Pulitzers for the Russia stuff. I can't believe it. I, I mean, Cloud Strike. I mean, they, they, they got they got reporting for this stuff, right? I mean, uh, they got they got um, uh, awards for this reporting. And now, I mean, if you go and look at the testimony, if you have any tech skills whatsoever, any computer skills, any inter- concept of how this stuff works, Crown uh, Strike behind closed doors under oath when it came to WikiLeaks was seriously arguing that it could have been Russia. It could have been the Russian hackers when uh, approached with all these different, uh, you know, uh, alternative theories to the case. They literally were making claims that those could have been screenshots. And that's why the speed times were so quick. Screenshots don't download attached documents to them, Frank. I mean, it's unbelievable. No, it wasn't screenshots of emails, but the president of CrowdStrike literally said that behind closed doors. Unfortunately, again, we don't have a media. They're not going to go and report that or find somebody who has any expertise in it. Obviously, if Julian Assange and WikiLeaks are publishing emails that have uh, documents attached to them, it means, you know, anyone has a WordPress website knows what I'm talking about. Someone with administrative access went into the cPanel and downloaded the records. You know, and could it have been stolen? Yeah, sure. It's technically possible, but that's why we get into the speed times and everything. It just it, it's not plausible. And and what makes it less plausible is that when confronted with it, his answer was not some tech savvy answer about how Russians or Russian hackers in Eastern Europe could have pulled this off. Instead, it was oh well, they were they could have been screenshots. Yeah. Come on. Only yeah. you only tell that to a seventy-year-old congressman who doesn't know is you know what from a hole in the ground about how this stuff works. Only they would buy that. Yeah, well, and and, and just like with the UN Security Council or the UN uh, over there declining to investigate Nord Stream, that is yeah. the one thing I said from the beginning. Uh, it was a, a bipartisan agreement to just accept that Russia had hacked the DNC, and uh, and Chapter One of that entire story. It is chapter one. I, it, chapter yes. one of that entire story is a bullshit origin that everybody accepts. If you if you don't have a, a fully vetted chapter one, then the the rest of the book is bullshit. Yeah, you can you can debunk all the nonsense that they give you on chapter three. You, you can you can debunk the, uh, the the everything, the epilogue, whatever you want. There's bullshit all over the place. But you don't need to. The whole damn house comes down if you take out the foundation. But they all they all agreed. They all agreed, Republican and Democrat alike, that uh, it was it was Russia. So what's the point at that? Uh, it, it's just a media war and three years of psychological damage to uh, people That's in right. our lives. And we had to live around those people who actually thought that it was a real story. But I have something here for you. Um, this came from a viewer. Now, they gave me a link to a Robert Patrick Lewis tweet. I love Robert. Robert, he's a good guy. Uh, he said this, people are suffering, hold on, uh, he says, the, the people the people are suffering from the same issue for both Vax injuries and the J6 prosecutions. The people in charge, FBI, elected officials, and media know the jig is up, but they can't let it be known that they are part of the, sh- of the shredding of the Constitution that they were sworn to uphold over the lies. They know we know, we know, they know we know, but they're going to keep digging those holes until they fall in. Now, I want to read, that that was the the link that came in, but here is some of the, it's about two and a half paragraphs that came from a viewer. And they said this, please uh, bring this up with Rich Barris if you can. And it's a lot, but I know you'll be able to tie it in. 
Sure. They said the MSM seems to be slowly dripping out the truth about the pandemic as the CDC director admits to, to gain of function. Florida wants to ban the vax, et cetera, et cetera. But they have obviously not highlighted their own role in spreading propaganda. January 6th is a little different. Mainstream media won't budge an inch despite new court documents proving undercover provocateurs and the absolute clown show that is the Proud Boys trial. The FBI got caught red-handed destroying and tampering with evidence. The FBI informants have gone so far as to infiltrate the defense team. The judge is trying to whitewash all blatant corruption, but what other option does he have? January 6th is basically the end of the line. Admitting January 6th was a setup will then beg the question of why, and then the answer to why stormed the Capitol was to evacuate uh, was to evacuate Congress before a Republican got a chance to present evidence of voter fraud. When they returned later that night, no debate was allowed, and the coup was successfully pulled off as the votes were illegally certified. So when J6 gets blown up, the 2020 election gets blown up, and then we're in uncharted constitutional crisis. Crisis territory. It's all interesting how Trump is going to get off the hook in New York. The Manhattan DA was hiding exculpatory evidence, exactly like J6. It feels like predictive programming for what is going to be revealed. What do you think about? I know it's a lot, but you know it, it's trying to create a little bit of a, a, a net of points connected to each other. What do you think about that overall? Well, you know, and when you tie tied into the prosecutions that were or attempted prosecutions that we're seeing, and for those who don't know, uh, Alvin Bragg's grand jury has been uh, basically, you know, given a, a month long hiatus. Yeah. Uh, so uh, it's kind of funny, Frank, because I didn't believe the source who called me last week. I'm actually on the phone with Don Smith, and the, every, it was the day before everyone was expecting the indictment, so the Monday, uh, which they were expecting the indictment to come down on Tuesday, and I get this. A message from a source I hadn't spoken with in a long time, but I know is familiar with New York City politics, the DA's office out there, and he says, "Look, this isn't going to happen. The 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 they're in full revolt." But Frank, I mean, he makes a good point about how certain when these stories start to collapse, there's some kind of a crisis that covers it up, you know. So. We're talking about banking crises one day. There is a and the Wall Street Journal publishes a report saying there's 180 plus who are in the same condition as Silicon Valley Bank. You know, the signature bank collapsed two days later. So we have the second and third biggest bank failures within two days in the history of the United States. Didn't even happen during the Great Recession. And then we get these, and then that falls apart. So his point about digging a hole, I think, is valid. By the way, you're going to see this stuff in Georgia, too, because ultimately they can't let this guy back in power. Or at least they're going to have to try to fight him to the you-know-what um, to keep him out of power because – it, it, he has a beef now, and he's kind of learned how um, you can't work within the system as he tried to do, you know. Um, and there are so many things that really could get exposed. Look at how they reacted when Tucker started releasing the footage of January 6th. They went to the floor of the U.S. Senate and started arguing against the First Amendment. Senator Schumer, the majority leader of the U.S. Senate, called on Rupert Murdoch and Fox News to basically prevent Tucker Carlson from releasing the footage. I mean, this is a, a senator arguing on the floor of the U.S. Senate against the Bill of Rights. I mean, so will they keep digging until they fall in a big enough hole? Well, I think that depends on what the American people do here in the next 18 months or so. I really do. Uh, because I, I think, you know, you, you, 
if you know the Republican Party chooses to nominate some, which it doesn't, you know, look like you know, at this moment uh, is going to happen. But if they choose to nominate somebody who is aligned with uh, the people who are okay with this stuff, you know, the Murdochs, the Bushes, the Ryans, I mean, who go along with this, the collusions, the Pfizer's, the, you know, then I don't think there's, they can keep digging a hole all they want. There's not going to be anybody, um, there's not going to be anybody there when they, if they were to fall in it. In fact, they'd be stretching out like the human ladder to help them out of the hole, you know, so that there's nobody who's going to be there with the shovel to bury them in the, their own hole, their own grave that they dug for themselves. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, I think we're living to his point. I think we're just getting to as well is that we really are living from, you know, in, in brinksmanship. We're constantly going from one crisis and typically a manufactured one to another. And we're struggling to play catch up. The narrative, the discourse is struggling to catch the truth, catch up with the truth. And when you do, the next lie gets piled on you and you have to try to take yourself out of that to get to back to the sunlight, you know, of transparency. And that's what they're doing. They're burying us one BS uh, narrative. And usually it's a crisis, you know, after another. It's tough. We can't can't continue like this. No, we can't. It, it, it's and look, a, those lies have staying power, Frank. Oh, yeah. Like I sent you before the JFK assassination question. Oh, we're going to get to I, that. By age, there are still older voters in this country who just would refuse to believe the CIA would ever have anything to do with the, the assassination of JFK. The reason why a strong plurality thinks that they did kill JFK is because of younger people. And younger meaning not boom, you know, 65 and down. But the younger, the more strongly they believe that the CIA did this. You know, so these lies last for generations. Generations. So talk about that a little bit more. I was going to ask you about that a little bit later in the conversation, but you had just done some really, uh, I mean, you're always polling. Um, tell us about the JFK assassination question uh, by in, in particular and what it tells you, aside from everything you just said there. Just expand on it a little bit more. So interestingly, uh, you know, we, we were going to try to ask this um, earlier, but this is just when we got it on the questionnaire. And interestingly, if you look by party, it's not, I mean, of course, Democrats are less likely to say it, uh, that they do believe it uh, than Republicans, but not by much, man. So we asked people, how likely do you think it is that the Central Intelligence Agency was involved in the assassination of former President John F. Kennedy? We gave them basically the scale, Likert scale, very likely to very unlikely, and then, of course, unsure, no opinion. Overall, among likely voters, 48% said that was at least somewhat likely, and it was split evenly. 24% said very likely, 24% said somewhat likely. Only 30% said, and it's actually 39, only 39% said it was at least somewhat unlikely that they didn't, with only 17% saying very unlikely. By Republicans and Democrats, you break it down by party, that's not what jumps out at me. Not even education jumps out that much. What's significant is by age. If you look at super seniors, very likely is only 18%, 75 and plus. Another 19% somewhat likely. You go to 18 to 24-year-olds, 32% think it's very likely, and almost 40% think it's somewhat likely. Uh, 30 to 39, a third, very likely, 27, somewhat likely. Even 40 to 49, which is where it starts to come out of the majority, 
25% say very likely, 27% uh, said somewhat likely. Anything above 49, 50 and above, really getting bad at 64 and above, has this what I call Mr. Rogers mentality. Yeah. You know, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. The the government would never do this. G-men are good. You know, uh, not in the United States of America. Oh, yeah. yeah those, they're I, living I, in a fantasy. Those are the, pe- those are the people who will drop lines like, you know, America's been through tough times in the past, and we got through those, <laughs> and and we'll lick all our problems in the future too. They're just not Best no. days are ahead. Yeah, but it's like you don't know. Have you have you been awake? Have you been? Sli- are you Johnny Appleseed? What the hell's going on here? Have you been paying attention? So I, I think that it's it, it, the easy. It's very easy to explain this one. The the younger generations they've never actually known relaxation and prosperity. They never, they've never known that yeah. ever. It's only ever been war. I mean, I know that there's, there's very, very, very select periods of peace throughout our entire country, uh, our country's history. By and large, I understand that too. But they've known nothing but just social strife, and, and I, I don't know. I, it's, I, I can't believe that they would uh, even be able to fathom that there was a. Uh, a better outcome for us, but just because they can't imagine it anymore. I, I, I mean, Frank, and it is age. It is generational. It that is the number one demographic. Thirty percent of liberals, self-identified liberals, told us it was very likely. Thirty percent of conservatives told us it was very likely. Twenty-two percent of liberals, self-identified liberals, said somewhat likely. So we're talking about majorities. Twenty-three percent of conservatives said that it was somewhat likely. Uh, Moderates were a little bit less than others, um, you know, but the fact is you have the left, you know, self-identified liberals and self-identified conservatives largely in agreement that the Central Intelligence Agency killed a president. And I just think it deserves a lot more attention than what it's been getting. I can't believe nobody pulled this. uh, Robert Kennedy, just a couple of months ago, made an incredible statement when I came on your show. I said, if this was 10, 20 years ago, it would have been nonstop coverage on this statement. They assassinated my uncle and democracy has been on life support ever since. Tucker Carlson had that bombshell source, you know, bombshell report from a source who knows and is intimately familiar what, with the documents they refused to uh, to release, which Trump should have pushed them to do, by the way. Um, and he said, without a doubt, that what remains on, you know, not public, even though the law passed in the 90s, said that you have to release it once everybody involved is dead. Well. They just don't even feel like they have to follow the law anymore, Frank. So once again, by the way, it's very similar to the U.N. Security Council. Why would they not want to get this public? Why wouldn't if you're the CIA or sorry, CIA, they don't use a the for people who don't know the culture of the CIA. It's not the CIA. It's CIA because they put that above everything. It's like you refer to God. You don't say the God. You say CIA. It comes before family. It comes before everything, including, by the way, country. So, I mean, it's a demented mindset. And with when you have almost just about half the country believing that they did this, I mean, how on earth can we not talk about this? Well, you know, you, what, what do they always say when we get even a when they when they unredact a semicolon? 
Yeah. When somebody wants to unredact a semicolon somewhere, and we will get from these company men and these company women saying things like, "No, it's it's going, you know, resources and methods, sources and methods." Well. <laughs> The method is they will kill you even if you are a president. I mean, that, that is a very big method right there that's being <laughs> really. I'm so I was vaping and you made me laugh. That are, but no, that it, I mean, and honestly, I'll be I'll I'll be real uh, right now. This is a the the age thing is a problem because and we have to talk discuss this and talk about this because it's not going to get any better. It it it's actually going to get worse. Because quite, you know, eh, quite frankly, uh, the people who are still the Mr. Rogers mindset, they're old, man. They're going to die. Ten years from now, they'll be gone. Twenty years from now, they'll definitely be gone, most of them. So this will be an issue that'll be festering. It's not just the it's the skepticism, you know, the belief that this is not the democracy that you grew up to believe it was. This is a cartelized system where if the, they don't like the king, well, then not long live the king you know i mean that's that's the way it goes uh reminds me from the godfather come on kate who's being naive now yeah yeah oh, oh, oh hey listen the, i i think that the that the uh godfather 2 the wonderful exchange between michael and the senator what is senator yeah. kearney kearney i forget kearney kearney senator kearney right one of those one of those it's a wonderful, he's a Nevada, the Nevada senator. And yes. it's a wonderful exchange right there in the opening, I think at the first communion uh, or whatever party it is in the opening of that movie there about uh, two mafioso from different families. One is the United States Senate and another one is representing the Corleone family of New York. Uh, they're just facing off and one just trying to be a little bit more like they're uh, they're legitimate than the others and I, I love i love that exchange and eventually eventually michael gets his way because then the senator is uh, wakes up from a drug stupor inside of a hotel <laughs> next to a dead hooker and then suddenly yeah. suddenly tom tom is there to say we'll make all this go away for you because we're your friend we're your friends we're your, now. Yeah, yeah, we're your friend. Don't worry. We're going to take care of this. We're going to handle this for you. By the way, what did they do to him? They did what the government does to the American people all the time. Create a problem and a catastrophe and then present themselves as the only ones who can save you from this catastrophe. And then you are beholden to them. Yep. It is. And that, that's the beautiful thing about what Michael and, and the Corleone family do to that senator. It's like for once, uh, the little guy, the hunt, you know, the hunted uh, gets, you know, turns the tables, um, you know, and, and of course the hearings don't amount to much either because Frankie gets a little bit, he gets a little, I forgot, you know, Senator, I forgot. I told the FBI a lot. Of, it wasn't you know Frank's it was? fault. It wasn't Pantangeli's fault. It was all Roth. Pantangeli was a stand-up guy, and he did. He was. I, he I was. And when he when they got him in front of the uh, witness, he was like, "You know what? Those FBI guys, they were pushing me to say things I didn't want to say." So I told him, "You know, Michael Corleone this, Michael Corleone that." But it was all nonsense. It's those FBI guys, Senator. They really, they're they, they're hot. They're they're a pain. It's a wonderful, wonderful movie. Pantangeli was stand-up, man. Yeah, he was. He was. Old school. Uh, you know, since we're talking about elections now, I got I to gotta bring this up, yeah. too, because I, I never, never, ever would I ever think that you would come on or anything and tell us anything but the truth, ever. 
There was never a doubt in my mind that you were giving us uh, a, an exclusive back in November. Right after the midterms, you came on and you reported to us that Ron DeSantis was being courted by GOP establishment types who had just just finished sabotaging key races in the midterms to make sure that they're going to be mediocre results in order to then come out and immediately the day after the election blame Trump for being toxic and poisoning the whole field. Obviously setting up a need for a contender in the GOP other than Trump to go and take his place. And you said that they were courting DeSantis and a lot of people didn't believe you at first, but uh, I I did and now you have been pretty well uh, validated. You want to talk a little bit about that? I do. And, uh, you know, I'm very disappointed uh, at the time. I was very disappointed at the time. The governor ran the friendly media and uh, to denounce what I was saying. I mean, it was very clear. It was my tweet in the report that he was responding to. And uh, that was after I came on your show and told you that. And I actually kept it kind of, you know, uh, below the belt for a little while until I felt like, uh, you know, more people needed to know. Um, But I told you this. And Frank, the fact is they had been uh, pushing him to, and his wife to apparently essentialness, pushing him to change his mind. It's the typical never Trump cruise crew that didn't want Trump to begin with. Um, the establishment, you know, the figures in the establishment that never wanted Trump in 15 or 16. And then they had uh, been aided by a group of people who were Trump, uh, but apparently they were Trump for themselves because they are butthurt people that feel that they didn't get sufficient recognition for their contribution uh, to supporting him. So now they've jumped off, oh, he's you talk about loyalty, he was disloyal to me, I didn't get this job. Like Judge Napolitano really believed he was going to be nominated to the Supreme Court, Mm -hmm. right? Everyone who's a political strategist thought they were gonna run Donald Trump's campaign. You know, so I guess I just never did this stuff uh, for recognition. I did it to tell people the truth, and I guess that's why I'm not in a similar position that they are in. But anyway, they were managed to change the governor's governor's mind. I could hear it through things that we were uh, being told that little by little it was working, and it was being driven by the Bushes. It was being driven by Paul Ryan. It was being driven by McCarthy wants to play this like neutral game when it is his people. They're, in fact, trying to set up California so – by the time they want to move California up, which they're going to do. And so by the time they get to California, if Trump has really clobbered him in the early states, then he can try to make some of that up because there are a lot of delegates in California. Even, by the way, being openly saying, you know, Jessica Patterson, who is Kevin McCarthy's right-hand girl, openly, who he wants to make the RNC chair, by the way, when Rona's gone, uh, openly saying, you know, that California will decide the nominee, uh, you know, and, and we can't wait uh, for the, to, to be the state that, you know, makes the puts the candidates uh, out there for all the voters to choose. No, they can't. They hate Donald Trump. I, I really hate to tell everybody this. It's all been an act. All right. So some of these and where did we hear this from? We heard these stories from various donors and various people um, that most definitely uh, were not telling lies. And when a politician fabricates a part of a story so that he can then deny that fabricated part, but not the core of your story, your allegation, you know a politician is lying. And what they did to me was say that I was suggesting 
that he met with Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy in some secret room to hatch out some secret conspiracy. That's ludicrous. What I said was surrogates and their donors, because that's how politics works. It doesn't work the way that we're trying to phrase it. We're nudging him and nudging him and nudging him, trying to convince him, and then eventually they did. Listen, now that he has the team around him, the pitch to donors, which is a Bush team, Coral Rove has been advising him. And by the way, there's going to be a pretty big investigative piece by somebody very soon. It's going to come out, uh, and it will, it will be on a website. Nobody's going to be able to refute. Uh, this has been a Bush. This has been brought to you by the Bush, Rove, Ryan wing of the McConnell wing of the party. It is. Um, and in any event... What they were trying to say was that I was, you know, specifically stating they had this meeting and ignoring everything else, and they, they, um, they basically were trying to just deny that part, not the part that all of this was going on. And that's how you know a politician is lying. And the bottom line is, when they turned and they made the pivot and they decided to do it, which has been longer than people think. Their pitch to donors who have been on the fence. These are donors who are afraid they'll be shut out of Trump. If you know, because he's the strong favorite, these are donors that like both of them and don't want Ron to ruin his career if he loses. Okay, their pitch to them, Frank, has been Are you ready? Mm -hmm. Trump is going to be indicted, and these indictments are going to give us a pathway forward. Don't worry about Trump, he's never going to make it, he'll be indicted. This is Democrat talk, Frank. Oh, yeah. This is Democrat talk. So when you see the governor give the canned, very handled, very consultant response, that a consultant approved response that he took three days to whip up a couple of weeks ago, you know exactly what's going on. He's not going to denounce that. He's not going to fight. For, it was a layup, by the way, because Trump said he would surrender. So for him to do what Cernovich told him was the right thing to do, and they did not listen to Cernovich. So Mike was right. All you It was a layup. All you had to do was go to the microphone and say he's a, a, a citizen of Florida. I don't care about Article 2 and your reading of Article 2. I will not allow persecutions of citizens of my state, residents of my state. And until I have this go through an independent review, and I'm sufficiently satisfied. It never would have happened anyway, Frank, because Trump was going to surrender himself. But he didn't do that because the truth is their strategy is hinged on Trump being indicted and those repeated indictments because what they're telling donors is not just Alvin Bragg. It's going to be, you know, Kemp approved indictments in Georgia. Georgia. You know, where the, the governor is not going to do anything. He's, going, he's not going to do anything either. They're all like kind of winking like, it's okay, go ahead. This is why the RGA sabotaged Doug Mastriano, sabotaged Tudor Dixon, didn't give them any money, sabotaged Tim Michael, although he could self-fund, right? They wanted, oh, by the way, didn't help Kerry Lake. They wanted these states to be controlled by Democrats in case they could not stop Trump in the nomination. This is an open secret, an open secret. Hmm. And for them to act like they're based and this is like not their plan, it is their plan. And by the way, voters are starting to see through it because it wasn't this event of the Trump indictment that changed the course of the polling. We only had Trump at 43%. Ron DeSantis was creeping up at like 31. He was floating around 29 to 31 in our polling. So we were a lot less favorable to Trump than some of the other polls that you've seen out there. I get 
absolutely attacked. They even tried to take, um, you know, like a, do a brute force attack against the people we use to create cross temps. I mean, it was unbelievable the blowback we got from this poll that we did because I had during one day of the interviews, I said, wow, Trump really just touched 60 percent. This is a big shift. And DeSantis was at like 17 that night from the day of interviews. That was a big shift for us because in our polling, Trump was having a hard time getting above like 45, 48. So in when we averaged to get together, he was just above 50. DeSantis was at 21. So we were showing that this was a big shift. I think it was not a singular event. People were learning. They were here listening to him on Ukraine. His answer on Ukraine fell apart. Oh, absolutely. And it fell apart because he doesn't believe it. All right. Uh, you know, and then, you know, the consultant class stuff, the back by the bushes, the back by the rows, the back by the Ryans, um, you know, the crowd he's hanging out with is if, you know, Twitter is not real. And they're like, oh, that doesn't bother me. I see it in my tweet, uh, Twitter feed all the time. Well, guess what? It bothers the voters. And we came out with that poll. It's basically a Trump plus uh, th uh, 29 or something like that. Look at the Fox poll, which had him in the 40s, just came out a couple hours ago, two hours ago. And they have Trump higher than we do. They have Trump at 55 or 56 now. And DeSantis fell another few points. In our polling, Trump uh, rose about seven and DeSantis uh, fell 10, almost 10. So, you know, I'm, I'm pointing out observations. There's an argument, Frank, that all oh, these early polls don't mean anything. If you look back at primary polling, the early leader is typically not who the nominee is. That's true, but I would say two things about that. One, things are different now. You know, post-2015, 2016, a whole lot of historical rules are being broken, all right? And that goes for the last, like, four election cycles since 2015-16, and definitely the last two. Secondly, you have no comparable historical example of a former president running for re-election like this in an environment like this at all. You have none, none at all. But in an environment, add to that, this kind of environment where most Republican primary voters love Donald Trump. They beloved. He's beloved among these people, number one. Number two, they feel not only did he not get a fair go at 2020 as re-election, most of them think he was robbed, uh, but also that they feel he was robbed of his term. And yet he's still delivered. So what DeSantis's problem is, and will be any Republican challenger to Trump, their problem is very simple. It's authenticity. Why would you go, when you've had the real thing, Frank, right? It's like, it's, I don't want it's to like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like voting for margarine when you can have meadow butter. <laughs> There you go. It really is that sick. warts and all. If it comes with warts, at least you know it's the real thing. I was going to use a very, um, uh, probably not a. Yeah, I was, you know, I was trying to give you a something approved analogy, was, but yeah, uh, yeah sure. but you know where I was going with this, yeah. um, guys. I'm sure, and, and not just guys, everybody, guys and girls. You know what I'm talking about. Why would you um, settle for the fake? when you can have the real thing. And I I really think there's probably about 20, 25, maybe even 30% of the Republican base who may have forgotten that and then started to remember. Maybe some will never remember. Maybe that number is like 20%. And they, they think, you know, everyone's going to deliver like Donald Trump now. They have to. No, they don't. And, I, and there's, you know, that 70 to 80%, I think, now that realize that uh wait a minute before donald trump that's right 
it wasn't like this. People didn't keep their promises. Kurt Schlichter today on the show said it. Republicans are are like abused wives. They've been cheated on. They've been lied to. You know, and they're 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 over it now. So when someone like Trump comes along and you know moves the embassy like he said he was going to, reforms the VA like he said he was going to, sticks up to the left like he says he was going to. By the way gets rid of Roe v. Wade like he said he was going to, right? How many Republican presidents and presidential candidates said that over the last four or five decades, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't happen. Trump made these things happen that nobody else could. And by the way, for those who want to check out that poll and go look at it, we were just talking about the difference in age between the CIA. Trump is just killing it with young voters. Harry Enten wrote an article about this. Nate Cohen even wrote about this. Young voters, I I told you this before in the primaries, Frank, and then during the generals in 2022, MAGA is bigger. It's bigger. It's less white, and it's the future. It's less white. It's much younger. It is, you know, Ron DeSantis' coalition looks like a Bush coalition. His strongest group is 65 plus, and Trump kills him among all these other age groups. 18 to 24 Trump is beating him five to one, 25 to 29, almost five to one, 51 to 15, 30 to 39, 47 to 12, 40 to 49, 60 to 19. Prime working salt of the earth Americans, 50 to 64, 54 to 25. And everyone, when I released this poll, was like, oh, get out of here, garbage. Paris is garbage. All of a sudden, I'm garbage, right? Because <laughs> I'm against, I'm. For Ron and his supporters, I'm one of only two pollsters who had you had in 18. Everybody else had Gillum beating you. So uh, you, you loved my polls back then. It's just hypocrisy. Frank. You know, it, it all, the one thing that got it for me, I mean, I, I was seeing the, the back and forth between Trump and, and, and Ron DeSantis. I, uh, I wasn't commenting on it a lot because I was waiting to see just what, yeah, yeah, waiting to see what Trump knew. And also holding what you had told us last November in the back of my head, just to, yep. to, to, to wait until this all uh, fleshes out. Because, you know, if, if there was some a big misunderstanding, a miscommunication, it would take less than five minutes of right. Ron DeSantis's time to to say, hey, no, no, there's I have no into I have a job here in Florida to do. I'm not running. Donald Trump has been very, uh, very supportive of me. And he, he helped create my, you know, make my campaign what it was the last couple of uh, goes goes around go arounds and uh it's over but he stayed quiet said okay we'll see what's going on and then we started getting these these little comments about uh about uh foreign policy like when, yeah. we, when we got that putin comment about him being a war criminal and he needs to be held account for his invasion of ukraine i said oh God. no no sorry ron i don't well, uh, i mean that's it frank that tells you everything barnes on what are the odds on monday tuesday uh monday at two o'clock we had what are the odds and barnes man came with the receipts i mean his signature is right next to adam kinzinger when he was a representative pushing then secretary of state john Kerry to advance the coup it's right next to adam kinzinger and right below tom cotton mm-hmm. all right so it is what it is i mean it, again authenticity and by the way, we're talking about demographics and not what he is beating DeSantis among white voters, 52 to 23, but he's beating him among blacks, four to one, Hispanics, 46 to 20, Asians, five to one, 50 to 10. 
Um, and then others, if you include others, because it's a small sample with Asians, it's all in all 48 to 13. So again, you know, it's the coalition, these people, the Bushes and the Roves have been saying they wanted for years, Frank, right? For years, these are, Republicans can't be the party of white people forever. Well, here you have it now. He's beating Joe Biden in every income bracket except for 200 and above. And by the way, um, even in Republican primary vote, uh, you know, he's winning this not only working class, but underclass vote. And that is something that uh, that's a Democrat vote, Frank. Hmm. And if non-white voters in Republican primary will be the minority, but they'll they'll still be about 20 percent. So it's it's significant. And by the way, Harry Anton man, man, uh, mentioned that as well. So, you know, for those of the, you know, these, the, they're not even critics. They're just flat out mean. You know, I'm used to it. I got tough skin. I've been in this game for a while. But you're no better than Trump. And if you want to be an alternative to Trump, at least be authentic. Yeah. You know, if you're going to be nasty too, then it's like you're telling me here's the warts, but none of the, and you know what? Yeah. Right. So at least with Trump, you get the warts, but then you also know the man's got your back. That's the way Republican primary voters feel, and I can tell why. Because now I've been on the reciprocal, uh, you know, I've been the reciprocant of uh, of some of what they're talking about. You know, it, it's just, by the way, under 30,000, 57 to 16. 30 to 50,000, 57 to 17. This is income? And this is the Republican primary. In the general election, uh, that's another thing. I mean, people need to understand the Trump or bus vote. Nobody has ever tried to measure now that we've had four cycles in a row to see whether or not there is a vote that will come out for Trump and not anybody else. And then that's question one. Is there? It's an easy answer. Yes. The second question is not as easy. If there is, then is it bigger than, you know, is is it more risky because these Democrats come out and vote against Trump in such huge numbers? Right. Like which or and then you combine them with the share of like rhino Republican vote that won't vote for Trump, right? Yeah. This isn't even close anymore. We are the first ones this sophisticated to try to measure it. Trump has about 12% of his vote that has shaky vote history, but you know they're coming out for Trump and they will not come out for anyone else. Even if his vote turnout is 80 million and I'm off by 2%, that's 8 million voters. And then he's got about 15% who say that they would consider voting for another party's nominee. That's about normal with the other candidates. But compare that to DeSantis, only 3% of DeSantis voters say they would not vote at all. So it's huge, Frank. Crossover, yeah, it, he loses 9% this, to this Joe is, Biden. And this That's is why nothing. I ask. This is why I, I, just, I just wanted to throw it out there because I knew you were going to, A, I want you to be able to address this topic that we had not spoken about since last November, and B, uh, not, you know, I don't really have that much faith, nor do I prioritize the presidential elections that much anymore, unless I see some real big things going on on state levels that are not happening. But, um, I, but, but part of the whole midterm experience was watching, as you said, misallocation, deliberate misallocation of funds, deliberate misallocation of, of party uh, support for really weak candidates, really uh, all the problems that our, our elections have around the country to see 
to see them do things to make the results even more weak and mediocre, and then to immediately turn around and say, we need to distance ourselves from Trump. He was the thing that did all this. I said, okay, well, now, now let's, let, let's, see, let's see who the golden boy is. And then you came out with DeSantis. And now I just wanted to say, okay, with all the, with all the nonsense being played out, and we still don't know what the, uh, the lunatics in, in Georgia are going to produce with these, uh, with these investigations, but um, I wanted to see how it was playing out in the polls. And obviously, it's not going the way that they thought it was. It would. So um, it's actually having a reverse effect, as usual, because Trump is, at least in a, in a uh, societal respect, is, uh, is anti-fragile. Anything you throw at him, it could be COVID, and he gets a bump in the, in the, uh, the play. He, he came down with COVID. And he got a bump in in approval ratings that one time in 2020. So it's um it it, it always uh, it always is just in the back of my mind. And of course, this is what you do. So I wanted you to comment on that, Rich. Anything you have coming up the next couple of days that you want to draw specific attention to? I have your locals in the description of the of the episode. I hope people go check you out over there. But uh, let everybody know what your broadcast schedule is, and if you have anything special coming up. Well, again, we have a lot still to go over, uh, economic indexes that we didn't uh, review yet from this poll. And then there's just so much in this, uh, Frank. I want to talk a little bit on Friday at noon. I want to talk a little bit more about how, you know, I was the pollster for the Epoch Times nationally and did the public polling project in 2020. This was, and then of course I did 2016. This polling does not look like 2020. These rematches, uh, this looks more like 2016, only bigger. All right. So we're going to talk more about that on Sunday. And then some of the stuff we just haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet on Sunday on locals. And if you're a member on YouTube, you'll get the Zoom link for it. We're about to wrap up the tragedy of great power politics by John Mearsheimer. And that's at 3 p.m. on Sunday, Eastern Standard Time. And we're asking the question Mearsheimer asked, which is, can China rise peacefully? And knowing what we know, uh, you know, historically and through the lens of his theory of offensive realism, it's fascinating stuff. The next book is right behind me. That's the new version of it, even though you can only see half of it. Here's the old version, the ideological origins of the American Revolution. So after we're done with the book club uh, with, with John Mearsheimer, we're going to do that by Bernard Balin, which is incredible. And then Tuesday, live results on People's Pundit Daily. Live event on YouTube and on Rumble and on, or no, excuse me, on YouTube and on Locals. So for YouTube members and for Locals supporters, we're going to have a live coverage of the Wisconsin Senate race. I mean, uh, Supreme Court race. And our maps are done, our live maps with the APIs and the results are done. So we're going to be covering that. Super stoked. We have a lot, and that's, you know, one of many that we got this year, Frank, Mississippi, Kentucky, right? We have this stuff coming up that is off cycle year elections. And it's all to kind of prepare us and get us ready uh, for doing all these coverage, live election coverage events with the maps, the uh, live result maps, because uh, you know the, we have the, the nominations coming up. We're gonna have really cool delegate trackers that are being built that are gonna be super cool. We're gonna cover every single primary and we're gonna have events for them, all leading up, of course, to the Super Bowl. You know, So <laughs> we gotta make sure we're we're, we're running like a well-oiled machine, my friend. 
Yeah. You know, so I'm glad we have these like special elections and all cycle elections <laughs> to make sure we got this down. Uh, but that's what hap- That's what you get. You know, if you're a member on YouTube, that's what you get if you're a subscriber on Locals. So, so Locals is where it's at. And I know people are, I'm sure you have the audience too. They're like clinging to YouTube, right? Um, there are just some that cling to it. I'm trying to push everybody to Locals, trying to push everybody to Oh, Rumble. you're telling me. Uh, Listen, I, I don't think, I, I've been off of YouTube for a week now. I, I get my account ba- access to tomorrow because i i got a strike for talking to dr peter mccullough on the show and um so ridiculous i, I, I know I i'm saw. sure when i, I come know. back tomorrow when i come back tomorrow night i'm sure there's going to be hundreds of people saying did you take a vacation it like, like and, uh, many of them don't even think to look anywhere else they just think oh yep. you're gone i i and and, and that could have just been the end of me and that would <laughs> that would have been the last time they ever saw anything because some people just will not leave youtube I can't wait. Maybe it'll help. I can't wait. Rumble connects with locals, but it doesn't when you do like a live locals only exclusive stream, it doesn't stream to Rumble. And it's like, you know, where where Rumble has the ability to see that it's a local supporter and they can view the stream. So you know, the alternative to that is obviously YouTube memberships. And when you're locked out from streaming on YouTube, you can post to the community. Hey guys, yeah. I'm going live on Rumble. That's the problem. Or hey guys, I've been suspended. You're doing that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. That's all I want to do. Hey guys, I've been suspended. I, but they don't let you go to the community tab. You can't nope. even add videos to playlists. While, that's while, right. Yeah. That's right. While you're, and while right, you're that's happened to me as well. People, I get. I just got a strike a couple of weeks ago for what are the odds? About a month ago, and it was by the way we were constructing the question about the CIA and their role in the assassination of JFK. Robert and I were talking about history of it. And they at first said we were glorifying violence, which is ridiculous. Yep. Of course, we were condemning that violence, you know? Um, but when I appealed and I, I said, I, I, I demand to be alerted to the mark in this video where we were glorifying violence. Normally, I know you guys will never give up in, in the appeal process. You don't do it, it's not a fair process, but here, because of what you're accusing me of, I'm actually offended. And I want you to tell me where I'm glorifying violence. When I, they came back with some generic- uh, uh, We know that this is disappointing. Conspiracy theories promoting harmful conspiracy theories. Right. By the way, folks, for people who don't know, the first time conspiracy theory appeared in the American lexicon, it was to put down people who had alternative theories about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. It never appeared in the New York Times before. It appeared four times during those investigations in Congress after Kennedy was assassinated that year alone. So... Well, Rich, another another banger of a episode with you. I can't wait for April. No kidding, brother. No kidding. April. Yeah, this was great. This was great. One third. Always looking forward to our chats, Frank. Yeah. Well, listen. You you please have a uh, very happy Easter, happy Palm Sunday, and send my best well. to Laura. And we'll talk uh, in the in between. We always do. And and thanks for everything, brother. All the best, my friend. Give my best, Laura's best to you and yours. And uh, yeah, enjoy the holiday. Palm, Palm Sunday coming up. Uh, but enjoy the holiday if we don't talk before then. And I'll see you soon, my friend. You got it. Talk soon. There's Rich Barris, director of Big Data Poll, People's Pundit Daily. Uh, you go uh, get him on Rumble. I mean, on, on Locals, YouTube. He's all over the place. And he's still kicking over there with some fire on Twitter. If you have 
jumped into that. All right, we're going to take a really quick break. When we come back, we're going to just go into your Super Chats, and that's what we're doing for the last the last run here. So wonderful, wonderful show. Got a lot of things cleared off the, the docket, allowed Rich to dissertate on his on his work as far as what is going on in the in the 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 run up to the 2024 election stuff you know me you know me it's it doesn't really change my outlook on things but you see a plot that is being proposed and and presented to you at least the 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 seed begins to germinate in November of 2022 and you see where it's all going uh, you see the immediate excuse as to why they didn't get the results they wanted, even though there was glaring deficiencies in 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 the output and the and um, and the efforts of the red team. And then, of course, there's also just the standing corruption in uh, very specific states in Pennsylvania and Georgia and in Arizona, respectively. There's all those things. Those pre-existing conditions that are always that are going to make 2024 a really long shot to be seen as legitimate as it is, but when you start seeing a certain plot that is being laid out for you, you want to see how well the plot is taking with people. Obviously, Ron DeSantis is not doing very well. That whole thing is not doing very well. He's only been plummeting in the polls. I've seen that, so I think it's funny. I like when things don't work out. For the people who are the most detestable that I can think of. Detestable. Detestable worms. So uh, we will be right back, and I hope that you're here hanging out. It's not that much left, so maybe we'll have a couple of laughs still. Don't go anywhere. Checks, please. Go on, Stanley. I got a $100 check from my grandma, and my dad said I need to put it in the bank so it can grow over the years. Well, that's fantastic. A really smart decision, young man. We can put that check in a money market mutual fund. Then we'll reinvest the earnings into foreign currency accounts with compounding interest, and it's gone. Oh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. What's all gone? The money in your account. It didn't do too well. It's gone. What do you mean? I, I have $100. Not anymore, you don't. Poof. Well, well, what can I do to get back I'm my... I'm sorry, sir, but this line is for bank members only. I just opened an account. Do you have any money invested with this bank? No, you just lost it all. Then please stand aside for people who actually have money with us. Next, please. Hey! Hello, Mrs. Farnickel. How are you today? Making a deposit, are we? Great. We can just put that into your retirement account and make it go to work for you, and it's gone. What? Sorry, yeah, that's gone. Please step aside for people who actually have money with the bank. Next, please. Dad! Hey, I'm trying to teach my son the importance of savings. You already lost his money? Oh, Mr. Marsh, d don't worry. We can just transfer money from your account into a portfolio with your son, and it's gone! This line is for people who have money with the bank only. Please step aside. Our enemies are innovative and resourceful, and so are we. They never stop thinking about new ways to harm our country and our people, and neither do we. It's intermission time, folks. Time out. Press the like button. Thank you. Ladies and Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. 
through see what everybody has been thinking tomorrow's gonna be a great show it might be I think that tomorrow will be the first day I have my account on YouTube back which will be great because then I I can go at full strength with with grace with really graceful she's gonna be making her debut appearance on the show tomorrow night and uh, and that should be just the perfect amount of of awesome to get us uh, banned again on YouTube, this time for two weeks. <laughs> I'm just gonna have to, I, I, I'm not holding back. Whatever we talk about, we're, I don't want any, anybody to hold anything back. It's just that as soon as we stop streaming, I will delete it. But I can't wait to talk to Grace tomorrow. That's gonna be great. She's got a new book out and there's so many things to discuss. So many things. Um, Let's go on over to Rumble, and we'll do our Rumble rants first. This one, first one up, is from Dan Schumann, who has found his way over to Rumble. It's great to have him over there. It says, wow, Rumble is cool, and so is Frank, and us Franklies. Thank you so much, Dan. You're a great guy. Dan again says, transgenderism is a disease pushed by the government education system. Bull your kids out immediately. Well... We got to have more conversations about that. We really do. Just think about how many millions of kids are on TikTok and porn sites this very minute. Our culture is dying faster than a starfish out of water. Well, I I would say, you know, it's very easy to 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 get um to get 
doom, screw it all, doomy, screw it all. So I would say fret less about the culture being destroyed because it's already gone. It's already gone. All we are are saddled with at this point is how to plant new seeds for cultural rebirth. It's not like we're, we're, we're trying to we're trying to you know you know pat together and pack the sand of a of a sandcastle that's starting to crumble and we want to preserve its beauty or something like that. It's good. The sandcastle's gone. Okay, so it's it's better to think about it like that. It's better to think blank canvas because the canvas is 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 being erased. Um, and I think that it's a lot more of a proactive approach to think about the beauty of everything that could be put onto a blank canvas. I think it's a lot more proactive and a lot more, um, you know, lighthearted in that respect. Can't be here kicking, you know, kicking rocks and just, oh, it's all, it's all gone. It's all, we're, it's die. To hell with that. We got, we got other things to do. We got other things to do, but chief among them, protect yourself because we're surrounded by psychopaths. There is that. All right, over on quite frankly superchat.com, we've got some great comments here. Tamari Allard says another great show. I just love honest conversation. I appreciate what you do. Well, thank you Tamari. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stostube says thank you Frank and Rich Barris. Wonderful to have both of you out there. Thank you. Hello Kitty says hi frank do you have any info on one of your lifelong followers fudwaddle i wish we i would like to know how well you truly keep up with your fans now is the time for operation southern women true southern bells we know how to run things via food understanding and other wink wink we ages 25 to 60 real southern women look after their curves at any age, we'll bring peace and love. Okay. As far as Fudwaddle goes, no. I I don't know. He's not been around. That's concerning. Uh well, we'll see what happens when we come back on YouTube, but usually I I get emails. I'll go check in the the YouTube the uh quite frankly email. When was the last time anybody saw him? Don't get me worried now. Graydon Sharp says, Hi, Frank. Early happy birthday wishes. Also glad to hear you survived your blood draw. Thank you. I think you're the first one to wish me a happy birthday. Thank you. That's on Sunday, so we won't be on. Next year, it'll be on a Monday, I think. I think that's how that works still. So we'll be able to hang out together. <laughs> or maybe I'll take that night off. Give myself a break. But thank you so much for the birthday wishes, Graydon. I appreciate it. KT Sky D says, Hi, Frank. Have you considered purchasing a radio station to broadcast on in case TikTok bill gets passed and censorship takes a stronger hold on the rest of the internet? If you own a station, you could still be censored. Or can you still be censored or held to legal account? Yes, by the, F, uh, by the FCC. You still have to do things according to the FCC. I mean, it still will be great. I can find new ways of saying things without cursing from time to time. I can totally do that. You know, I clean up well enough. I'm not the kind of guy that comes to your house and curses in front of your parents and says, you know, 
uh, rattles off dirty jokes. I can do radio. But I but as far as buying a radio station, so first of all, what's the station? What's the reach? Just because I have a station in some rural part of of uh, Iowa with a maybe 15 to 20 mile reach, that what does that do? It, syndication is the big thing. It's syndication that that's big. You know, I could be doing this right now from where I am and there could be radio stations out there that love the show so much and they want to carry it. Of course, it would be a little bit of a problem because I don't take I would have to start taking breaks in certain patterns, short break, long segments, all that stuff. I I would have to perforate the show in certain ways to be able to fit to a uh, a radio unless they're going to cut it up for me. But I wouldn't be opposed to that. There's only one one radio station right now that's that's uh that's carrying the show, one radio station. And it's about maybe 3 or 400 miles south of me and I always ask people that listen to that radio station to email me. I have not gotten one. So if I owned that radio station, then I i mean, I, I don't know how many people I'd be reaching, especially not at four o'clock in the morning. So the whole thing is syndication. So when I go live over here and I'm able to put it out across several websites, and of course that is over since 2006, I've been you know cutting my teeth and doing this stuff. And then around 2010 is when I really started branding this show. So it's just a lot of work and syndication is all by me. It's all it's all crowdsourced with you guys and gals at home with the retweets and it's also just brand recognition over a while and uh, and being on websites and just being everywhere you can. That is the new way of coming over here to the flagship station. Say W QFTV and um, and having 500 stations across the country and even the world picking up the audio and then just hopping it to the next place to create this big net of people who are listening on their transistors to me talk. That's the old way of doing it. And I would still love for that to be a reality, but I don't know what one one station wouldn't do much. I would need hundreds more to say, all right, we're on board and add affiliates all all throughout the the time you do it. But I don't have anybody out there trying to pound the pavement and get me on any any radio. And I don't know how many people would take a chance with me, especially with my dirty mouth. Thank you for thinking about that for me though, Katie. I want to thank, uh, there's a few more people over here on Foxhole. Sean Joe, thank you. Curious Patriot says, always challenging the mind. One of the things that helps me, that keeps me coming back to the bonfire, frankly. Hey, I like that. I like the bonfire aesthetic. Thank you, Patriot. And then he sent a whole bunch of cookies. Thank you, Porpoiseful. Keith says, you nailed it, Frank. Corporate mainstream media would melt if they fostered logic, love, and independent journals all the way. Thank you, Sean Joe, Paulie, NJSF is in there, says, without a sense of meaning, people give up living. Victor Frank's man's search, Victor Frank's man's search for meaning is a must read. I got to check that out. Uh, Manamanon says, always nice to have Rich on. Yes, it is. 
Doug Simmy, thank you. Captain Flint, Winston Dave says, certain content I don't want YouTube or Google to know I'm interested in. Yeah. PQuest, thanks, Rich. Just Because says, another fine conversation with one of my favorite guests. Ohio Patriot says, thank you, Frank. Thank you. And thank you, Sean Joe, again at the end. And Chai Possum says, Rich was great as always. Thanks, Frank, and happy pre-birthday. You guys are so fine, fine and dandy to me. Thank you. I'm releasing the scratching because we're getting off over here in just a couple of seconds. So you go and enjoy that. Um, Thursday night, tomorrow night, after we get off with Grace, I'm going to be playing... I have submitted it to the guys over on the network side of things for the Throwback Thursday. After whatever they put up that's quite frankly related, I have a episode of Coast to Coast that I, I wanted them to play. It's from July 3rd, 1996, and it's an entire episode about rigged U.S. elections. And they're talking about rigged U.S. elections. This, this, uh, this guy, he calls in. He had just written a book, and he is going in on the computers, the computer tabulations, and, and how both both parties are rigging elections all over the place to make sure that there is a status quo, there is a, a barrier for entry for only company men and women who are going to keep the game going and not letting any revolutionary types actually in. Well, it's an interesting episode from start to finish it's about two and a half hours collectively that that's going to be playing tomorrow night after the show as part of the after hours programming but there was one part in it last uh that i i had to i had to time stamp and and uh and show you guys somebody called in with what i thought was a a very sincere book success suggestion for art in this one episode and he's he's giving these book suggestions and then he kind of like flames out and it, you start wondering if it was a, a prank the whole time. It's hilarious what how this ends. I should also say about this episode that you'll see tomorrow is that even though this guy, the guest, is there talking about rigged U.S. elections and what's really up, what we're really up against in 1996, those boomer types that Rich Barris is talking about, who are holding on to the whole idea that government is benevolent and it's working in our favor and it would never do anything like assassinate a president you got to listen to the people who call up and say this is this is this is nonsense our elections are fine this is not that you you should listen to the naivete that's why i love listening to these talk radio shows from so many years ago it's uh it's really noteworthy you learn a lot you really do about about the the callers the the host it's a little bit of a perspective in a certain time that we are so far removed from now that you can just you can just gauge energy from the whole thing. But listen to this call. I thought it was funny. Is your on the air? Hello. Going once, going twice, gone. Wild card line. You're on the air. Yes. Happy birthday, America. Well, yes, indeed. I'm calling from Reno, Nevada. Yes, sir. AOH. Of course. Uh, I, you know, I got a guest suggestion for you. You do. Uh, an author of a book about 1982 uh, called Tango with a Chupacabra by Nemo Maraschino. 
might want to get in touch with him. His name is as hard to say as the Chupacabra. Nemo Maraschino, yeah. <laughs> he also wrote another book called Every Man is Atomic. Every Man is Atomic. That's right. Hey, you know, good... I'm going... I think he wigged out on us. <laughs> what the hell? It's almost like something took him over. He was really chilled out for a second there. Uh, he gave, <laughs> suggested a, a guest and a book. And then all, all of a sudden, he's talking to himself. What the hell is it? I have to hear it again. I, I rewound this three or four times last night in the bathroom. I was in the bathroom just doing my end of night stuff. Uh, a lot of which just consists of just standing there and listening to, listening and watching shit. Just standing there, or sometimes laying down. Sometimes I'll take the folded towels. I'll take a couple of folded towels. I'll put it on the floor by the sink, and I'll just uh, lay back on it like it's a, a pillow. And I'll just I'll just lay there on the bathroom floor and listen to things or read things. And it's my favorite place in the house, especially during the winter, when it's the warmest place in the house and it's so frigid outside. I don't want to leave, and I hate when I start getting so tired that my eyes go cross because then I have to leave. Let's see. Did I get the... What was the timestamp again? What was the timestamp? Hold on a second. 156.58. 156.24. 156. Ah, this should be good enough. Two. Uh, called Tango with the Chupacabra by Nemo Maraschino. I want to get in touch with him. His name is as hard to say as the Chupacabra. Nemo Maraschino. Yeah. <laughs> he also... Yeah. Another book called Every Man is Atomic. Every Man is Atomic. And now something happens. What happens to this man right here? There's something I wish I could have seen. I could have been a fly on the other side of the wall to see what's happening in this man's living room. That's right. That's right. Hey, you know, good. I'm going. <sighs> <laughs> he just leaves. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, hey, yeah. Oh, all right. He's just mumbling to himself and then just rolls his tongue and leaves. What the hell is going on? I love it. This is the, just the weirdness. And that, that, little, that little weirdness is now saved for all time for people like us to stumble upon it decades and decades and decades later. That's all that we have. All right, ladies and gents, that's all I have for you. Thank you for everything. Thank you for all, and we will uh, we'll get more under our belt tomorrow. Hold on, we got a a little bit more for Lark. Lark Star says, "King, we do not have Southern broads. We do not have Southern broads. Not sure we speak your language. Where's King? Oh, King's in the Rumble. King is in the Rumble. Okay." He says Southern Broads, and uh, and Lark doesn't. She's trying to cor correct him, which is not going to, um, which is not going to do much. So, who knows? I mean, uh, King has fallen in love with the South, and its music and everything else, and their sentiments. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't put it past them to adopt the term Southern Belle over the over the course of. The next few years, just give him some time. He's a progressive guy.
All right. Well, that's it for me, ladies and gents. Thanks for everything, and we will see you on the flip side tomorrow night with a great guest, Grace, really graceful. Until then, have a good one, and thanks again, Rich Barris. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, is filmed before a live studio audience. And now, our super chatters. Starting with all of our wonderful friends on Rumble. I wish I could, uh, I wish I could put them together in one place and read it off, but Rumble has not gotten that yet, nor have they given us the ability to create mods. Very strange. Thank you, Tamari Allard, Stostube, Hello Kitty, Graydon Sharp, and KT Sky D. And to everybody over there on QuiteFrankly.tv, we have a wonderful Wednesday night, Rabbit Hole Wednesday, on QuiteFrankly.tv. Get over there right now for Rabbit Hole Wednesday. Investigate a creepy disappearance in the documentary series, The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. We'll see you there.